Note to self, when one attempts to host a college basketball podcast, it's helpful if they actually plan out what they're going to talk about ahead of the podcast. Our normal strategy, Brad, of getting online and just talking for an hour and a half about whatever suits us has sort of uh, had to go by the wayside, given it is July. There is a lot of stuff that is no longer happening. Certainly news still trickling in, as it always does. And I will remind people that Last year at this time, Jalen Duran nor Imani Bates had committed to ne- neither Jalen Duran nor Imani Bates had committed to Memphis. So still possible we get some shakeups here in the closing uh, weeks of summer. But we are approaching 100 days away from the season. It's a little too early for true preview content. And there isn't a lot of roster movement right now. So we got to do a little bit of stuff that's that's evergreen. So uh, excited about this one, Brad. We're going to do breakout players today. We each have 20 on our list, I would imagine there will be a good deal of overlap, but this point. will be a good way to talk about some teams, talk about some players, and uh, and go from there after another busy week slash weekend of being out on the road recruiting. Who's who's the last man standing in terms of transfers? Is it Casey Simmons? I believe so. There was also a guy from Iona that just decommitted, right? Did he yes. land anywhere? Uh, Jalen Hawkins. Uh, perhaps not surprising when one considers Jalen Hawkins went to, I think, three or four high schools and then multiple JUCOs and then two D1s and then transfers to Iona and then doesn't transfer to Iona. Um, you got to go to, mul- to a th- at, at least three high schools nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. But he was doing it before it was cool, <laughs> you know. But uh, plenty to get to. I just finished a long weekend long weekend of recruiting um i will say i think i said this after kansas city but i was out for every almost every day of the live period this weekend i was out every day except for sunday i do not know how coaches sit through these days for five days straight and not like pull their hair out these are long days and i don't mean to complain because again most people would love i'm sure including you brad to get paid to sit around watching basketball all day but it is bad basketball a lot of times the gym is echoey you know there's all this you know crap going on all the time there the the quality of basketball is often not very good particularly outside of eybl it can be a rough watch and it can be a long day out watching games um i will say probably a little bit of that brad is but i don't have skin in the game right if you're if you're a college coach your skin in the game is like, oh, sh- you know, and we want this player we're recruiting to play poorly so that, you know, he doesn't, you know, get to move up in the rankings and get better offers. Or, you know, we want to see how we, we want to evaluate this kid, see if he's good enough for us to take. Like, there's skin in the game. For me, it's a little just like go sit around and like talk to people and like see who I think is good. But man, like those days when you like, you know, get up in the morning, go to the gym and like it's 10 a.m. And you leave and the sun is down. You're like, this sucks, man. I mean, watching basketball is very strenuous. I mean, oh, yeah, those conference tournament that that last Saturday where you're watching like the Big West or or, or the Friday where you're watching the Big West semifinal, like one in the morning, Eastern time. Some of these like Thanksgiving tournament days where the first games at at, like 11 a.m., Oh, those are great. You're you're at nightcaps at like 11 p.m. and you're doing that what you know with 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 Maui on Monday through you know through the the uh, Sunday night where they're they're putting like the championship for Orlando Invitational and stuff. So yeah, I 
I have a lot of experience sitting down, staring at basketball players play basketball. And I can attest, it's very, very exhausting. Indeed it is. Well, now the recruiting period is over. Um, Of course, we had two live periods in April, two in June for high schools, and then two again for, you know, the EYBL um, and and the other uh, sneaker circuits again in July. Obviously, recruiting never stops. You start to think about visits in August and September and all the way into October before signing day in November. Obviously, things have changed again a little bit with the portal, but um, still the, the kind of timeline has continued. So uh, we'll hit on some of the commitments we've seen because we have started to see a roll in of some of these big 2023 names starting to come off the board. Uh, but first, Brad, we did. I, I wanted to go over some of the guys that I did see this week. Under Armour in New York to LA, which are the two events I were at, do not have the caliber or the depth of talent that Nike has, obviously. Um, but there was still some very good players. Uh, and, and I'll start with Xavier Booker, who has gotten a little bit of Michigan State steam in the crystal ball world uh, recently. He's a top 10 recruit. And you know he's had such a meteoric rise that you, when you go out and watch, you want to see basically, like, what is it I'm looking at? I, I, th- I thought one of the real comparisons I, I found was you know, I think you'll have a similar college career to Jaron Jackson Jr. I know it's an, it's a simple thing because it's Michigan State, but but I really think when you think about him, like the fluidity, the length, how natural it feels for him to block shots. I mean, he can block, he can be a 10% block rate kind of guy. I mean, he is that good at protecting the rim. He runs the floor really well. I think it was it was really notice, noticeable to watch him. You know, a day after watching another, you know, well-regarded, not in the same tier of prospect, but another very well-regarded pro- front-court prospect in Kerry Booth, and it's just so herky-jerky for Booth, and it's so smooth with Booker. Now he's got to work, you know, he's got to improve his, or diversify his offensive game. It's just that he hasn't had to show a lot of it in his career, and I, I don't think at Michigan State you're going to be throwing it to him on the block. He's not Nick Ward. Um, if he was Nick Ward, who ran like Jaron Jackson, he'd be dominant right he'd be unstoppable but i do think he's a worthy you know top five ish player in this class just because of the long-term upside will he be one of the five most impactful college players that year probably not or certainly long term in this class almost definitely not because he's going to be a one and done but the long-term appeal is very obvious with xavier booker and i came away pretty impressed again lower level of talent but i did see him play against mid-pro uh, which is one of the best non-sneaker teams in the country, if not the best. They have two players going to Iowa, Brock Harding uh, and Owen Freeman, who are both very fun to watch. Uh, they have Ty Pence and Ethan Kaiser, who are like good mid-major wings. Uh, Ty Pence has gotten some I-major looks throughout his career as well. So, you know, without question, this is a – it wasn't horrendous competition that he was playing. Him and Garway Duell, uh, the Providence commit, who is on Booker's team. So – uh, that was the biggest name I saw. I obviously have more, but if you wanted to touch on Booker, Brad, before I moved on, I figure I'd give you the floor. I haven't seen a ton of Booker, but the, yeah, the the basic idea is very big, very fluid, has has the flashes of skill. It's always dangerous when you call the 17-year-old big man skilled. I, I think we're seeing some of that with like Gigi Jackson as well, where like they become, they're they extremely to think they're more skilled, skilled for the age, yes. right? And they will be very skilled. You know, in seven years, when they're closing out their first NBA contract, um, but there's still a lot of growing pains. There's still a lot of development that need, needs to happen before you watch him and think and, and have the production and the skill level meet the 
potential. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is why I would temper expectations for one year in college. But I do think Michigan State would be a good fit. Tom Izzo watched him uh, during the week. I know Matt Painter was up for both of his games on Thursday that I went to. Um, Bruce Pearl was in for the morning, and then Stephen Pearl came and replaced him for the night game. So certainly a high-level prospect. I mentioned Duall, uh, who's going to Providence. Um, another huge stock riser. You know, averaged six points a game in high school, uh, and it's just exploded onto the scene. And for per on three is a top 50 recruit. I could maybe get there. I, I kind of, I'm kind of torn on that. Um, I, it's, it, I think it's hard to rank when you don't have, like, when I don't, I don't have in front of me, like, you know, here's all the players I need to rank ahead of him or below him. And I don't really watch trying to figure out who's ranked, who should be ranked higher. That's not really my, that's not my game, right? Like, more power to the, you know, Jamie Shaw's of the world who do a really good job trying to rank team players. I think it's an impossible task, but I just don't have to do it. So I don't, I don't try. Uh, but, but I think the comparisons you're going to come up with, come to with a guy like Garway Duall, someone like a Cardari Richmond, someone like a um, Marcus Garrett, that big, long slashing guard, uh, you know, who has a little bit of upside with the playmaking, who's still kind of unlocking that uh, right now, but he was so impactful defensively. He locked down Brock Harding, who's this kind of shifty with the ball uh, combo guard uh, or point two point guard, really uh, for mid pro. He's really, really fun to watch. So I, I like Garway a lot. I think he'll impact the game defensively more than offensively his freshman year. Uh, but I think Providence is a good destination. The Big East is a good level uh, for him to show off his his skill set at. What, he's six foot six. He'll be able to play one through three. And if you defend at that level and you have that length, You'll you'll get on the court. Yes. Um, in terms of player comparisons, we spoke earlier over text. Um, I the uh, names I had thrown out is he Kadari Richmond, is he Darian Sebrin, and you were thinking Marcus Garrett. Does that still hold? Yes, I do think he has more offensive upside than Garrett, just because of how long it took Garrett to get there offensively. But I also don't think it's necessarily realistic that he will be as good a defender as Garrett was. So. I do think I, I I do think his ideal role in college will be something like that. I think Kadari Richmond is certainly a good comparison. He obviously Kadari runs so hot and cold, uh, so it's hard to c- compare to him. But I think Kadari at his best is I think what you could look for, or or, or what you could hope to get out of um, a guy like Garway Duall um, sooner rather than later. Um, Marcus Garrett just just got a two way with the Miami Heat. There you go. I wanted to mention this at, at, at the start, but, but I completely forgot. So this will be a, a, a short aside. Do you know who the two guys who got the two-way deals for the Denver Nuggets are this year? This past year or coming up? Coming up. I have zero idea. Colin Gillespie and Jack White. Jack White? I guess he had a killer summer league. Get out of here. I guess it was supposed to go to um, not uh, Matt, Matt Mitchell from San Diego State, and Jack White beat him out in summer league. Get lost. How crazy is that? Imagine saying, you know, five years ago, or even like three years ago, that, or even probably two years ago, that Colin Gillespie and Jack White would both be in the NBA. What what was the stretch where Jack White like legitimately did not make a three for like a month? Yeah, I, I guess he balled out in Australia, got the 
invite to Nuggets camp, and then he averaged three points a game at Duke. Yeah. <laughs> that three is indeed, man. Unbelievable. Watch him go off in a game this year. <laughs> okay, I, I found the stretch. It was from it was his junior year. Jack White from the 14th of January to the 20, uh, 26th of February, so a month and a half. He shot 0 for 9, 0 for 11, 0 for 12, 0 for 14, 0 for 16, 0 for 26 from three. Now, a shoot, significant shoot portion shoot. of that, huh? Shooter shoot. A significant portion of that was the game against Syracuse where they lost. Uh, and Jack White shot 0 for 10 from three. <laughs> they lost 95-91 at Cameron. Tyus Battle put up 28 shots in this game. Scored 32 points on it. Sounds about right. Um, Duke's starting lineup that, that day was Trey Jones, who played six minutes because of an injury, apparently, I would imagine. Because that's the only uh, reason he would only play six minutes. Their starters were Trey Jones, J- Javin Delorier, Jack White, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson. <laughs> so Cam Radish must have been our Trey Jones gets hurt, and it's just Zion and R.J. Zion and R.J. played 45 minutes and 44 minutes, respectively. They took 50 total shots. They amassed 58 points, 26 rebounds, and 10 assists. And they lost because the remainder of the team, uh, they got 0 for 10 from Jack White in 42 minutes. Uh, they got three, five combined points from Javin Deloria and Trey Jones. They actually got some good production from Alex O'Connell and Marcus, Marcus Bolden that day. But the, uh, the backcourt was rather bleak. They, they, they must have been playing like for substantial amounts of time lineups that were Alex O'Connell, R.J. Barrett, Jack White, um, Marcus Bolden, and Zion Williams. You know Marcus Bolden was in the NBA. I do know this. Wasn't he with Miami, too? Uh, with Cleveland. Or Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Also... Um, this isn't super related, but Sharif Cooper got cut from the Hawks. So one year as a two-way and then out for Cooper. Weird journey. I, I was never a Cooper guy, but even that is fairly shocking. I thought he had a chance, but it's it's so hard. I think you have to kind of tailor around him too much. I also love, like, draft Twitter freaking loves Sharif Cooper. Like, top ten on everyone's board. Um. And then, like, I saw tweets during Summer League when Sharif Cooper was playing really shitty. That was like, you know, like, Sharif just isn't himself. Like, this isn't the Sharif I scouted. This isn't the Sharif I've had. And, like, dude, like, it is so maddening to me. Because, and I'm going to get this rant off my chest because I texted it to a bunch of people. Um, and then we'll actually move on to the content. Um, it is so maddening to me when people who are not experts in this, who are self self anointed experts which is what they are they tweet they have no background in basketball scouting they're not employed by a team they're not employed by a front office they have you know they're 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 armchair analysts and when a player fails it's never their fault it's never the it's never gee i screwed up gee i didn't know what i was talking about gee i missed this one it's, gee, the player isn't who he was. Oh, it's the player's fault. How is it the player's fault? You missed. You screwed up. It's okay. We all do. 
Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni and Jeremy Wu and all the people who have some sort of standing in this profession all screw up and they admit it. It'd be nice if the people who have nothing other than a podcast did so as well. Well, as an armchair analyst myself, I was going to say, gonna, I'm never going to admit it. But you do, you're, you're very good at admitting you're wrong. Very good at admitting you're wrong. The ones that I remember, but the, 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 yes. the ones I don't remember, those are just you, way, those, those are lost in the ether. You also, you also will hold off on admitting you're wrong till the last possible second. The, See uh, the Virginia Tech debate of 2020. It's the Oklahoma rule from the uh, year after Trey Young. <laughs> because if you say you're wrong too early and then it turns out you were right, then you have to say you were wrong for saying you were wrong. <laughs> anyway. Uh, enough of that. Enough of the rant. Uh, a couple things more on guys I saw this week. I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this 2025 high school class. Um, you know, guys like Cooper Flagg, Cameron and Caden Boozer, um, Koa Pete. I mean, there's just a ton of these like big names. Bryson Tiller belongs in that conversation. Um, plays for Atlanta Express. He's probably going to reclass the 24, so he may not wind up in that 25 class, but he's super, super talented. He's probably the best player I saw regardless of class. Uh, this past weekend uh he's really really special it's also already 16 so again probably gonna wind up 24 tj power i guess is already 19 it's absurd so is dusty strong so is dusty stromer that's what adam finkelstein said on the cbs podcast yesterday tj power who is a rising senior is 19 he's gonna be 20 years old before he even gets to campus it's absurd it really is sorry um who else was there? Uh, El Marco Jackson. He's very robotic, but he can really, really score. Like that guy. Like it might not be efficient right away, but like that guy's gonna score in college. He's gonna put a lot of put a lot of buckets. He should probably go to a mid-level high major. Like I think if he goes to a top twenty program, he's just not gonna have the freedom offensively that he needs. But he's you know he's gonna be really good. Uh, Mike Williams from Team Thrill is very good. Uh, he looks like a Big East guard. You know, tough physical. Uh, can really, really score the basketball. Derek Queen, who's 2024 20, right now, uh, has improved his body. No question. He won the championship with Team Thrill. Um, he kind of has like a Boogie Cousins type skill set. Again, the body is just a, a work in progress right now. Um, who else did I see? Didn't did you see, see Drew, Drew Fielder by chance? I did not. Not enough to like have a real opinion. Did you see Jacob McFarland? I did. Jackson Hayes 2.0. Yeah. I'm trying He's to think of like hair. a better comparison than that. Has certainly seen his stock rise quite a bit. Well, from the 90 seconds of highlights I've watched, he is just like flying around everywhere. He has no skill, but he's just like he does fly around, no question. The one kid I also will say I really like is there the the there's a the, the kid Beasley, the point guard from West Coast Elite NorCal. He's really good. He got a Washington State offer recently. Um, Stefan Castle never did anything whenever I watched him. And I watched like a game and a half. It was a little frustrating. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Anyone else to met? Vishon Alette can really, really go. He's like wild El Marco Jackson. Um, there's another kid from Atlanta Express who I'm going to see if I can find his name. He's like a six foot nine. Six foot nine, like wing, who's gonna be better than his twenty four seven ranking. He's like two hundred. He's gonna be like a very good high major player. I don't know if he's quite as skilled as this, but his game reminded me a little bit of DeAndre Daniels. 
Former UConn Husky, DeAndre. Yes, Gaines. former UConn Husky. Like six nine. Like, um, I'm just gonna pull up my. I have the book here, the coach's packet. Let's see if I can pull up his name quickly from Atlanta Express, just so I don't leave the listeners hanging. Good thing Atlanta Express is right in the front of the book. Jordan Burks was the central point Christian. He's gonna be a good one. Oh, um. Did you see J.P. Estrella? Was I did. He... Yes, that's another big name I missed. Thoughts um, on him? You know, do I like him at Duke? No. Do I like him at Iowa? Yeah. Is he Luca Garza? No. Will there be comparisons like that? Yeah. Um. Oh, how about um Isaiah Miranda, Rhode Islander? He's not very good at anything other than being big and athletic right now. As as most seven one seventeen year olds are, or how I'm old trying to figure out what you, for all I'm I trying know. To, I'm trying to find what you texted me. That was quite funny. Um, yeah, he's a seven one jump shooter. So yes, those guys are gonna suck for like at least the next five years. Yes, those yeah, until said. they're like twenty two, twenty three. Yes, yes indeed. So, uh, I think that's that. If you have questions about specific other players, feel free to tweet them at me. Again, Under Armour and New York to LA. I've also been at UIBL two weekends, so I have a decent sense of that circuit as well. Um, but I'm fresh on Under Armour and New York to LA. Oh, did um, you see Silas Demery? I did, yes. Thoughts on Mr. Demery? Yeah. I thought he was mid plus. Like, I didn't think he was. I didn't watch him be like, holy, you know, holy shit, that's a high major guard. Or not even, or maybe not, not all oh my, I didn't think, oh, holy shit, that's a high major. I didn't see, like, Compared to guys like Mike Williams and like some of the other guys, like I was not like wowed. I was just like, yeah, he's fine. Like he could probably. I think there's a decent chance he won't. He's like a guy who doesn't play in the transfers. I I think he's gonna go to Tennessee. He he, he got the Tennessee offer like yes. three weeks ago and immediately scheduled to visit. Yes. He also visited St. John's and VCU. He has. Yeah, like that to me is the better level. St. John's yeah. VCU, like Tennessee feels verge too high. He. He's like a top 125 guy right now in the rankings. We'll see where that ends up. But. Rick Barnes was there on Wednesday. Who else was? Oh, there was one other you kid. Said, oh. You said Mark Few was three deep for, for a Drew Fielder? Uh, Yes, but that team also has B.J. Davis. So there could be a – or do they have B.J. Davis? Who is B.J. Davis? He's a big scoring wing. Who's For, for, for 23 or 24? 23. Have not come across that name yet, I guess. You know, he's like a late. I don't know what the deal is, but BJ Davis also invited who Gonzaga was watching. Uh, the other one kid I wanted to mention before I moved on was Blue Kane. He's going to Georgia Tech, so that's a decent chance it opens up. Um, Blue Kane, like to me, is like going to be a really good like four-year contributor, kind of the past, like competitive as hell, make shots, like like he's going to be a good player. Oh, and then Kerry Booth. Kerry Booth is very raw. Kerry Booth is very talented. Kerry Booth, they have, he has a different game, but Kerry Booth is so similar to where Pete Nance was as a recruit, where if he goes to, like, the big school, if he goes to Michigan, he goes to Ohio State, those are the schools that were recruiting Pete. So I'm, I'm, I don't have the list in front of me where Kerry, who's really, like, hard recruiting Kerry. Like, if he goes that route, he's not he's going to get buried. Like, he's just not going to play for the first couple of years. But I think if he goes to like Penn state, which is where his dad went, if he goes like, like the level below, 
Carrie is going to develop because, you know, he's got good bloodlines. Like, they're, he's going to work. He has the tools. And he's not he's not going to quit at the first, you know, turn of struggle because his dad was an NBA player and is an NBA exec. Like, GM. Yes. That's not that's not how it's that, that that's not how he's going to be wired. So if you give him time, if you are able to invest in him and force feed him minutes and get him on the floor and let him work, like by the time he's a junior, he's gonna be a freaking good player, like a really freaking good player. Like to the point where like someone asked me if I would take Estrella or Carrie Booth, I think I was going to lean Carrie Booth. But right now, I mean, could he help a college team right now? Probably not. He's too skinny. He gets pushed around all the time. He's awkward. He has bad timing on rebounds. You know, he had a really big game uh, on Thursday. He also had games where he really struggled. He's just up and down. That's who he is right now. In terms of guys who've actually committed, we had Justin Edwards to Kentucky, um, who was top five recruit, right? Wing. Yes. um, For 2023. And it looks like Uganda Kingsley, who's like this premier shot blocking at athletic big, who's a five star in 2023, is going to move into 2022, see if he redshirts or not. But it seems like Kentucky is loading up already with Dillingham and Reed Shepard in the mix as well, two five star guards um, in 2023. And in good shape with DJ Wagner. Edwards is an interesting player. I think I mentioned this on the podcast. There's some comp there with like a James Young, like that long slashing lefty. I never watched him. I mean, obviously you see the tools, but like I didn't watch him with team final and say, oh man, that's like a top three player in the class. But I do think he's like a worthy five-star, just tools alone. I think he'll be productive. I think he'll get to the rim. Um, I, you know, I, I probably like him more than Omaha Blue, who we can segue to from Iowa State, uh, who just committed tonight. Uh, Omaha is unbelievably gifted physically. Like you look, he like walking in and you're like, okay, that's already an NBA player, just like size wise. And he's going to be a monster defensively. He already is. He just has a lot of work to do offensively. He just doesn't produce, just doesn't. I mean, he averaged less point, less than 10 points a game at Peach Jam. Like he just does not, he's not super skilled with the ball. He's not a shooter. He's not like he, his primary way of scoring on people is like getting the ball, driving and being bigger and stronger than, than you. And that's good, right? That's great. But that's Stanley Johnson, not. You know, that's Al Farouk Aminu, that's Derek Williams, that's not NBA longtime success. Yeah, I, I have yet to see Baloo play. He did not make U19, right? Or U18, excuse me, but he was invited to the tryout. Um, but I mean, for, for Iowa State, I mean, this is a huge ad, right? They've been They've been recruiting really well. Um, too early to proclaim that I was wrong about Otzelberger. It's only been a year. And we, we have to see what they do this year with a tournament caliber roster, sure, certainly. But uh, certainly a lot of momentum, certainly heading in the right direction after pulling a Sweet 16 out of their ass this upcoming year. Or, or, yeah, or this I mean, past year. right. At the end of the day, like, if you're Iowa State and you can get Omaha Blue, you take it, right? Absolutely. And I think this year, right, with Hassan Ward and Ashuna Shunini and Trey King and Koontz and all these guys, it looks like Otzelberger wants to play with two bigs. So, yeah, should be a good fit. Yep. 
And then the Milan Momchilovich kid who plays for Team Hero is also going there, top 50 recruit. I did not see that at all when I saw him play. Like the idea is they're going to try to make someone's like someone's going to try to make him like a Jaime Hawkes, but eh, to me, he's not quite there. I, I had not seen him play, but again, top, top 50 recruit. If you're Iowa State, you, you know, you should be celebrating for that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, any other commitments and such we should hit on? I saw a Jamie Shaw prediction for Reed Ducharme to Xavier, which surprised me. I, I, I don't know if a decision's a minute there, but he visited Syracuse, Penn State, and Xavier. Uh, he plays for BABC, six foot six, top, top 100 recruit, shot the lights out. I think he had like a 40 point game or something recently. Um, teammates with TJ Power, who was blown up to the point where he might be a five-star Power. Um, he's he's visiting UNC and Duke this week. Uh, he, he's a stretch four, also for BABC. And then the third cog of that BABC team, uh, Trey Norman. Yes. Just 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 got a prediction for Marquette. He had a huge week at a UIBL, six-three combo guard. I liked Trey Norman a lot. Very competitive. Very competitive. And I think we mentioned Trey Green, uh, who was the best player on MoCan, who won the Peach Jam this week. Uh, I think we mentioned him when I went to EYBL, but in case we didn't, Trey Green's going to be like Frank Mason. That kid is a monster. Like, he's like 100th in the recruiting rankings, and it's freaking absurd. Not just because, and I think we've talked about this in the past, like the, the idea that, like, recruiting rankings should be skewed by the fact that you kind of want, like, guys who are going to be around a little bit, right? Like a 5'10 point guard who's also really good is a great thing to recruit because you're going to get them for three to four years, right? Like that, that is more valuable than recruiting Omaha Baloo. Even though Omaha Baloo is a better pro. Even though there's more potential in Omaha Baloo, right? Trey Green already is really freaking good and is going to be like Frank Mason or going to be like Devontae Graham or going to be like one of these small guards that like all the you know, th- that all the big programs look at and say, how did we not take this kid? Uh, Trey Green's that good. He got a NC State offer earlier today. No, sorry, a, a Kansas State offer earlier today, excuse me. Um, I was looking at a tweet about Sasha Kilia Jones, talking about a blast from the past there. But anyway. <laughs> what is uh, he doing? Give, give us the context, Brad. I mean, we need He we signed an Exhibit that. 10 with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sasha Kilgaya Jones. He went to Kentucky and he, he was like a top 30 recruit. Wasn't he like enrolled at NC State as a transfer? Right, and, and that's that's cool. what I saw. That's why I said NC State. But Legend. Trey Green got an offer from Kansas State, which for a team that's that's rebuilding, a team that should have a lot of minutes to offer. Um, even yeah, I mean they they have no real foundation moving forward, so it 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 it's reasonable to think. When he comes in next year, he'll be able to play a big role there and show off that that scoring ability and not be kind of stuck behind a uh, more prominent upperclassman at like a blue blood. Yes. Um, anything else before we hit our breakout players? 
I don't think so. I was a little distracted because I saw Drew Drew Fielder just had a breakout game, I guess, on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, which which is not what not what you want. Did, um, didn't Providence offer Jacob McFarland? Yes. Do you like Jacob McFarland? Um, from the 90 seconds of, of highlights I've seen, I mean, he's incredibly athletic and should be willing to take a red shirt, which I think would be the prerequisites for our 2023 center. Um, but Fielder, for, as a skilled big, I thought you know, would 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 be a great fit. He's visiting on September 15th, uh, the only scheduled visit he has. But I, I don't like breakout game on ESPN. That's that's not not where I want to be. Not a live um, period. Not a live period. Coaches weren't there in person. I guess that's the uh, silver lining. Um, trying to think. Uh, did I, did you want to talk any Gigi Jackson? Or we kind of did last time, right? We kind of teased kind of, it, but yeah, we can kind of wrap a bow on it. I don't think there's a ton new, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Gigi Jackson's going to go to South Carolina. He's going to get his. He's going to get his shots up. He's not going to win. He's going to get drafted like 10th to 15th. He's going to show off his intriguing skill set at 6 foot 10. Uh, he'd be better served being the power forward at North Carolina, whether it's now or next year. But he's going to get his NIL money. He's going to get his NBA money a year early. He's going to get to play for the hometown school that he always wanted to play for. Lamont Paris isn't going to be able to really coach him and discipline him as I think it's going to be a challenge for Lamont in year one and how to navigate this. Um, but it's something that gives him a little bit of excitement. It gives the program, it gives Lamont something to sell and something to look forward to. Uh, he'll, he'll probably play before looking at the roster, uh, which is probably what, he, what he wants. Um, on the, uh, Titus and Tate podcast. Tate Tate was saying that the the rumors was that at USA Basketball, they were telling Gigi Jackson he he, he was too good to go back to high school, and that, that kind of spurred his reclass. And there's also rumors out there that he got an incredible NIL and in air quotes bag. Uh, yes. <laughs> what what a strange roster they have. But very strange. No question. Definitely definitely gives them. More intrigue. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be watching some some South Carolina basketball this year. Yeah, they play Colorado State first round of the uh, Charleston Classic. How how in depth do, do you know the schedules right now? Just like from like a macro perspective. Not super super well, but like decent. Like enough. like what are we getting like this first week? Right, because they moved Champions yeah. Classic back because of Election Day. Is that is that right? Yes, that's correct. So the first week, so the, our big the big sales first week are the Friday when we have, um, I think we have the Annapolis thing that always happens. We we have what you said? The Annapolis thing that always happens. Oh right, right. But I think we have that day we have the Wisconsin Stanford game at the ballpark. And we have the Gonzaga-Michigan State game on the aircraft carrier. Oh, God. <laughs> you know that game's not going to happen. There's going to be a, maybe puddles on the court. I mean, TBT played at Russell Park, had eyes. rain happening, and they just moved it to a gym. I think they can probably do the same thing at Michigan State for, for, for an aircraft carrier. There's, the aircraft carrier has a indoor basketball gym, and we're going to play – Outside? 
I don't and know. If it they, rains, we're gonna just move drive. Inside. Just drive over to another gym. Have a contingency plan. This is this is a televised event. What about at the under twelve media timeout? We we have all the managers on their knees, vigorously wiping down the floor. And they say, okay, we'll let the dock this boat and and move all ESPN and all all the teams over to a high school gym to finish out the broadcast. And this is our marquee game of the week. If not this, we're going to be watching like Georgetown Coppin State. Well, that game's on election day itself. So like, if you don't don't care about politics, like if if you're less interested in like midterm election results, you can watch Georgetown kick the shit out of Coppin State. I think the well, most interesting game on opening night that I've seen so far. And now I, I I haven't looked at all this. You know, maybe ask like Rocco Miller or somebody who really tracks the schedules. Uh, but is Villanova and LaSalle. That's that's what we're working with here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I, I mean, what what are we doing here? No, it's bad. It actually is bad for the sport, and that's why like it's it is a great thing that like we have these Friday games that could be pretty good. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a slow start Monday night. It's gonna be kind of slow. Th- you're gonna have Tuesday basically off. Uh, you're gonna have uh, what else are you gonna have? Like quiet. It's gonna be quiet through the week. You're gonna have Saturday college football. It's gonna be but then. After that, it's awesome. It's unbelievable, the stretch, right? Because you have Champions Classic. You have Texas versus Gonzaga. You have Vegas event, which is Baylor, UCLA, Illinois, and Virginia. You have Maui. You have PK-85. Like, that two-week stretch is going to be freaking heaven. You just got to get there. Oh, wait. So, so so the season starts on the Monday this year, not the Tuesday, because of Election Day? Yes. So Monday the 7th. Okay. And the Champions Classic is now on the 15th. And we're saying the St- Stanford and Annapolis and, a- and the aircraft carrier canceled game is going to be on the 11th. Okay. We'll see. Maybe we'll get some cool buy games. I mean, opening night last last year, we had Akron take uh, Ohio State to the wire. So you never know, but I wish there, there were more high-profile games. Uh. Absolutely. Uh, let's do breakout players then. So how how should we do this? We each came up with 20 um, for the purpose of narrowing it down and, and, and seeing where where we overlap. You know, that's that's only useful if we only have the same number. Um, well, there, how did you want to start? Well, I think there are a few that are like very, very obvious ones, right? So we can probably just kind of toss them out into the into the world and just know that they So like for instance, Chris Murray. Yes, I have him as well. Chris Murray is going to average like and 16 points a game. I I'm, I've never been more confident about something in my life. In terms of breakout, the criteria I've always used was yes. Average fewer than 10 points a game previous year. Increase your scoring average by at least five points a game. And average double figures in this year. Right, So Chris Murray last year was at 
So I think he can get five points a game. Yeah, get 15, 16 points a game. I think that's very reasonable uh, for Chris Murray. Yes. Um, yeah, like again, Chris Murray, I don't think anyone's going to debate that Chris Murray's going to break out. He's really good. The question is, again, how good and how efficient and can he carry you to, you know, top 25 again, which is where the Iowa's been the last couple of seasons. Um, another like very, very obvious one that, you know, every single person probably is going to have like Nolan Hickman, you know, I do not have Nolan Hickman. You don't have Nolan Hickman. Do you? All right, let's pull up pull up the zags right now. Uh, I'm assuming your criteria is what's holding you back here. Well, I mean, is he going to start, you think? Because you, you bring in uh, Malachi Smith from Chattanooga, who everyone's going to have as like a top 100 player in the sport. Bring in Bolton back at that score and punch. I mean, Strother is a NBA caliber prospect on the wing. Could be your best prospect on this team. Um Obviously, Timmy in the middle. And you have you have a lot of bigs, including a high-profile one, Efton Reed, who figured they're, they're going to try to play together with Timmy. Um, feels like Hickman's only going to be in, like, the sixth-man you know, type of role. I mean, I, I think there's a very decent chance he winds up being, like, the primary ball handler for this team over Malachi. That Malachi becomes this, like, kind of one through three hover who rebounds and defends and makes shots and can run the team, but like is not the ball handler, right? Like again, Hickman was a top 30 recruit. He got into the rotation pretty clearly for this Gonzaga team, played eight, you know, 17 minutes a game as a freshman. He was pretty solid in those minutes. You know, the only thing you question really is look, Gonzaga did, um, you know, Gonzaga's point guard, when it was Andrew Nembhard was very pass first. I mean, Nembhard averaged less than 12 points a game. Uh, so is Hickman going to, is Hickman going to score 14? I wouldn't bet on that. But again, whether he gets to 10 points or not, I think you're looking for a substantial role increase with Hickman. Uh, and that's why I have him on my list. Reasonable pick. I, I, I just didn't have him close in terms of confidence, right? Like if I'm st- putting my life on it, I, I had 20 guys clearly um, right. that I was more confident would make the jump right. just because well, just of opportunity. I mean, he, he's a higher-ranked recruit than 90% of the guys on my list. So Right. Well, I also kind of viewed it from the perspective of, like, look, if, you know, if I get it technically correct that Debo Coleman, you know, jumps from you know, whatever he averaged to whatever he averaged, I think he averaged, like, seven points a game like go you know debo gets to 14 this year on a you know georgia tech team that loses 18 20 games that compared to like all of a sudden we're talking about the starting point guard on a top three team like that to me means more you know it's the same thing like is Jawan roberts gonna average eight points a game probably not because that's not who he is but like Jawan roberts is gonna be an important piece for houston like stepping into a bigger role and so I was more inclined to have someone like him on the list than I would necessarily be to just kind of throw on, you know, oh, wow, I think, you know, Damari, Mon- I, I have Damari Monsanto on my list, but like for an ex- as an example, oh, you know, thank God that I predicted that Damari Monsanto would average 12 points a game on, you know, under 500 Wake Forest type of deal. 
Hey, did uh, you see, though, that Bobby Clintman has been balling out in the Europe, I guess, U- U20? He did, yep. He was in U20B, so low-level competition. But he, context. I did. I, I spoke to someone who evalu- her, her, who worked with Bobby quite a lot uh, throughout his high school and AAU career, um, and his cell was basically like, Bobby is an offensive weapon. Like he is really freaking skilled already and this can can score in high major basketball right away. But like it's just like a wreck on defense right now. Just like work to do there. So maybe Forbes can get it going. Monsanto, not a bad pick. I I do not have him on my list. Um so I, talk to me one of your obvious ones. I'll actually give you a, a twofer. Got guys who are on the same team. I think both are gonna hit this criteria. Um, Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson for UConn. Jordan Hawkins, 5.8 points a game this year. Pretty clearly is being handed a much bigger role, much bigger role in the offenses this upcoming year. And then Andre Jackson, who started, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I assume he started every game last year for UConn. He was a huge piece for them. Is more of a glue guy. Um, he averaged 6.8 points a game. That one's a little more of a stretch because he's not a great shooter. Uh, the numbers are okay, but the shot's funky. Um, but I think with with a little bigger role, a little in, in increased opportunity, and the fact that he's going to be playing more four this year. I, I don't know if he played any four last year, uh, but Hurley's been saying he wants to play four around Sonogo. Jackson would, would be the four, and he could be an, a matchup nightmare against a lot of fours with his – Speed and athleticism and size. Yeah, he's going to be a good player. I have no question on Andre Jackson's going to impact. I, I don't know that he's going to have. I didn't have him on my list because I don't think he's going to score enough. Especially because, again, you got Newton. You've got Naheem Aline, Like, you've got Hassan Diara. You've got Sonogo's reps. You know, all these guys are going to eat up shots. And I, I just – I don't think Andre Jackson's at his best when he's averaging 12, 13 points a game. But I do think he'll be really impactful because – Again, if, if he can be a guy who averages, what, you know, nine, seven, and four, that's a freaking valuable player. That's an elite blue guy. Do you have either Hawkins or Jackson on, on your list? I had Hawkins, not Jackson. I think Hawkins is another kind of, like, pretty obvious one that everyone's going to have. Did you, you want to get another one, or should I... Keep it rolling. Cost me some here. Let's let's see what you got, my friend. All right. Another one. Played some European basketball this summer. So, sounds like he played well. Didn't, didn't watch it, obviously. Uh, but Pell Larson. Arizona, 7.2 points a game last year. Going to have a lot more opportunity uh, now that Dalen Terry's gone. Um, probably starting at the three next to Creasa and, and Ramey. He's going to add some shooting, some experience. He, he, he was an in the rotation last year, um, people loved him during his time at Utah. I think he, you know, 7.2, so he needs to average 12.2. I think he could do that. I like that one. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of confidence in from Tommy Lloyd, from what I've heard, that uh, Pell Larson will be impactful. He was on my list. All right, so we got three so far that are on both our lists. Um, I'll I'll keep it going here with another one I think you might have as well. Brandon Newman for Purdue. 
No. I I cut him. So he averaged 4.6 points a game. He wasn't in, in, in the rotation for most of the year. Uh, but literally, so you have Jenkins obviously coming in. You have Morton, who was a fringe rotation guy, played, you know, played, played a small role last year as a glue guy. And you have Newman. Those are the experienced perimeter guys. The other four perimeter guys are all freshmen or redshirt freshmen. He's going to play. He showed a lot of scoring flashes early in his career uh, before he kind of got boxed out of rotation. Uh, and guys like Jaden Ivey and uh, Stefanovic kind of took took that spot. But I think with his experience, he's he's going to have a, a lot of leash, and I think he, he could easily average 10 points a game replicating the flashes he showed early in his career. So I uh, I'll add one to the mix here uh, that I think – is a pretty obvious one in terms of um, recruiting ranking, expected role, just kind of everything, um, is Jaden Akins. And I think you can make, an, make a case as well for Pierre Brooks, just because, again, there's just a, there's not a lot of guys on this roster right now. I mean, Pierre Brooks averaged one point a game. Like, he could av- absolutely average eight this year for Michigan State. Um, but, like, I do think Jaden Akins is going to be a, like an impactful a guy. I think you're you're penciling him into in start if you're Michigan State right now at the three next to Hogard and Walker. I mean, again, when you just look at this group right now, you have proven, you know, Hogard, Walker, Malik Hall, who uh, Joey Hauser, who are all reasonably proven. You have, you know, un, un relatively unproven guys in um, Akins and Pierre Brooks. And Mady Sissoko, and you have two freshmen in Malik Hall and Trey Holloman, and then there's the report that now Carson Cooper might not redshirt, which makes sense when one considers the fact that Michigan State still has nine scholarship players if you redshirt Carson Cooper, and that is not enough. It's kind of, kind of crazy that they couldn't find a more ex, more experienced three man. I actually went with a different direction for my Michigan State breakout player. I, I went Tyson Walker, who averaged eight eight point two points a game I like this that. past year. He was he was playing better down the stretch. He's gonna have the ball in his hands a ton. I mean, I mean, he he's probably the best scorer among these guards. Um, you know, at a whole guard. I mean, look, you, you could make the case. You could make for case for half this team, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, could could, I mean, all literally, I think every single player on this team you could argue will average more than. Like we'll average five more points per game this year. And this could be a team where right. everyone's averaging between eight and ten points a game. Yeah. Well, that's what they were last year. I mean, last year was Gabe Brown eleven six, Bingham nine three, Christie nine three, Hall eight nine, Tyson Walker eight two. But the thing is, they don't, you know, they lose a bunch of these guys, and they didn't replace them with anyone. Right. right? Not, it's it's not a very deep team. They dumped Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, Max Christie, so they're three leading scorers. Plus Julius Marble, who averaged six points and three rebounds a game, and they replaced them with Trey Holloman and Jackson Kohler. Jackson Kohler is like a six foot eight center, uh, and Trey Holloman's like a 70th ranked point guard, combo guard. They're like again, like if you told me AJ Hogard averaged 12 points a game, I'd say yeah sure. If you told me Joey Hauser averaged 12 points a game, I'd say yeah yeah sure. Malik Hall averages 14 points a game. 
yeah, maybe. Like all of those, these could happen. The problem is they need like a, they need like three of them to happen for this team to be successful. But maybe Sissoko, could he average six points a game this year? Yeah, sure. Why not? He was a top 50 recruit <laughs> only a couple years ago. He should play too. Not a lot of other options. All right. So, so, so far we've had two of the same, right? We had Jordan Hawkins and we had Chris Murray, right? You didn't have Larson. I did have Larson. Excuse okay. Me. Okay. So we have three, th- three of the same. This one I'm, I'm I'm very confident in. Darius Maddox for Virginia Tech. Okay. I had Nehemiah transferred out. You know he he started over Maddox this past year. He liked a tweet that was saying we like the lean, but they want to give more minutes to Maddox. So everyone knows even a lean knows that Maddox is going to have the keys. Um, kind of a lot of turnover in this Virginia Tech backcourt. He averaged 6.4 points a game last year. Um, he, 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 he was also a pretty good recruiter. I think he was top 100 or top 150. And coming off the bench, he showed that scoring pop. And I think he, you know, he, he should definitely have 28, 30 minutes um, and be able to score in the mid-teens. Yeah, I had a slash mark here. I had Darius Maddox slash Sean Padula. And it could be both. Yeah. Particularly considering you're losing a lean. Right? You lo- Again, I, I I don't like doing this math this simply, but Naheem Aline and Storm Murphy averaged 18 combined points per game. Uh, they've been replaced with bigger roles for Padula, bigger role for Darius Maddox, and... Rodney Rice. Yeah. Rodney Rice, yeah. So, you know, Rodney Rice takes six points. Padula takes six points. And uh, Darius Maddox takes six points. And there's your production. Boom. John Camden, maybe, steals a couple of those points. The well, other I mean, quite interesting thing is how much does Justin Mutz score for this team? Does he stay in that, like, glue guy role? Uh, or And you, like, Grant Basili, you, you play through Basili, or does Mutz wind up getting a decent number of looks? I really, really like Mutz. He's a great glue guy, plays with great energy, can pass a little bit. Yes. He actually, him, him and Andre Jackson are more similar than you would realize. Yeah, except I mean, one's a wing and the other's a, a big, but. Correct, but like, in terms of like what they bring to the table, is more yeah. like Like, you don't really want them to be the first or second scoring option, but they just like fly around and do shit. You know, they get shit done. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, another one I'm, I'm very confident in, and we, we, we should have hit this. Guy when we did his team earlier, uh, but Tony Perkins broken a starting lineup late last year, seven point four oh, points I, a game. I blew it not having Tony Perkins on this list. Yes, seven point four points a game. The the only guard on this team who has any experience. Uh, ball should be in his hands more. You know he could even double right. He was at seven point four. I could see him easily getting fifteen points a game. Big physical scoring guard. Kind of plays hunched over. Here's here's a name I have on my list that I'm surprised you did you haven't mentioned yet, but I'm I'm thinking he will be on your list given what given the number of times you've spoken highly of this player. How about, how about a little uh, a little Omax? Of course I have him on my list. Your boy, you love Omax Prosper. I mean I I was just stunned 
first watching him U19 in Canada, I was stunned with his energy and his fluidity. Then I was like looking at this Marquette roster and I was like, okay, maybe he's a guy for next year when Justin Lewis is gone or, um, or when Quecht is gone, you know, maybe then he'll play. And then we show up last year and he's a starting three man. Uh, and he, he was fine on the defensive end. He showed some offensive flashes this year. I think he'll play a little more four. I, I think he could even break out and expand his, his offensive skill set. I know the numbers people, I, I I don't remember which Marquette blogger it is, but one of them is, is just banging the drum for, for, for Omax with from a stats perspective. But from an eyes perspective, I think he, he has better shot making than he showed, and I think he's super fluid. And I think he's in for, for a big year. He had 6.6 points per game last year. Yep. Yeah, I'll buy that. I also think he'll make a pretty big jump rebounding the basketball. Um, just the way everything breaks out with them, their front court, lack of depth, the knee, you know, the role being kind of established with Justin Lewis. Yeah, easy one for, for me to have Omax on there. Um, here's one that a lot of people have. Um, probably won't be reinventing the wheel here. RJ Melendez. Do you think it will get harder for him to score than you would have penciled in in the preseason? Just be, or not in the preseason on you know April first, because they've added Terrence Shannon, they've added Matthew Meyer, um, they've added Sky Clark, right? Like they've got they have Ty Rogers. Like this is a crowded backcourt uh, or crowded kind of one through four. But I think he's gonna play. I loved his impact last year. He averaged four points per game in eight minutes. Excuse me, eight minutes a game, which He's an indicator to me that, like, he can score it a little bit. It's just, like, every time he went in the game, it just felt like he did something. Like, R.J. Melendez would come in the game and he would make shit happen. He would cut to the rim. He would drive. He would rebound. He would defend. He would get to the free throw line. Like, he was just productive. Um, you know, he, he gets in passing lanes. He can distribute a little bit. Like, he, I don't think he's going to be a, tw- you know, 15-point-a-game scorer, but I think he will be a guy who is really impactful to winning with this group because – he is versatile. He's a very good defender. He can make shots. He can handle the ball. I think this is a guy who averages, you know, nine, ten points a game, four rebounds, a couple assists, and, and is a really big piece to why Illinois wins the Big Ten yet again. I went a different direction with Illinois. I went Coleman Hawkins. Okay. He is like the one guy who pl- who played a lot last year. Who's back, right? Because yep. Melendez played a little, Goody played a little. They played a lot down the stretch, but Hawkins was like the consistent contributor throughout the year. He has great size. He, he has a great skill set that has not been fully realized, but you know, c- coming into what his junior year now, I think that you know this is a perfect time for a jump. He'll probably play some five as well. Um, looking at the, the depth chart, you probably start Dane Dania. But but I, I I would guess he's the backup five, and I think that would be a great look for Illinois. Going technically small ball, I mean, Hawkins is huge, but put, putting a skilled power forward at the five alongside this collection and great wings, I think that would be a great advantage for Illinois. So I think that there's like a 100% chance he, that, that he plays a ton. He should have a bigger role in the offense. He's one of the few experienced guys back for Illinois. Uh, he averaged 5.9 last year, so I think he could easily get into like the 12-13 range. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they 
use him? Is it going to be a lot as the backup five for Danger? How much is Danger really going to play? Uh, is it, you know, is there, there's so much talk of positionless, positionless right now at Illinois. That's the buzz is, oh, we're going to, we're going to spread it out. We're going to be able to switch. And Coleman really fits that. He's very, you know, I don't know that he'll ever put it all together, which is why I kept him off this list. But I think he will be an impactful piece to this team success this year. Like if this team wins, they're going to need something from Coleman Hawkins. I agree with that 100%. All right, next I wanted to jump to future Big Ten school, USC. Ooh. Reese Dixon Waters. Okay. He's a reclass guy. He's a sneaky former top 50 recruit. Averaged 4.8 points a game last year. Played played a fair amount de- down the stretch if memory serves. Uh, and now it looks like that starting two-guard spot is all his. Him and a boogie else in the backcourt. That's that's a lot of opportunity. He can shoot. He can score. Um, 4.8 points a game. I think he, he will easily get over 10 uh, on what should be a solid, bubble-ish USC team. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, he's just not a guy who's like super on my radar just because like, quite honestly, I don't remember watching USC and being like, who, who's this Reese Dixon waters cat, you know, <laughs> I think I watched a game where he went off. That's probably why he's on my there. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, look five, you know, to go from five to 10 or five to 11, particularly with the way that they built this roster, just like, makes a ton of sense. I have him as a starter. Um, they're going to need a little bit. Uh, you know, they're replacing their whole front court, which is a big deal, obviously. Um, the one guy one guy who is apparently very good um, is Trey White. Freshman. Yeah, top, top, top 50. Top 50 year. recruit, yeah. So they have three top 50 kids in this class, Vince Iwachuku, Kajani Wright, and Trey White. Um, that could be a pretty good class long-term for them. You want me to keep going here? Sure. Fire away, my friend. We have mentioned this guy many times. As If this was 2012, everyone would be like, Michigan's in great shape with Terrence Williams as their starting power forward. Uh, But in the transfer era, people have kind of forgotten about him. 4.7 points a game last year. Coming off the bench, he's playing a lot of three. Uh, Next year, the four position's all his, unless Yusef Kahat is incredible, like, some people seem to think, uh, but either way, he's going to play a ton. He was a top 75 recruit. He's physical. He, he can shoot a little bit. He can put the ball on the floor. High IQ. Fits well next to Dickinson. They played AAU together on Team Takeover or Team Loaded. I don't remember which one. Takeover. Uh, takeover. Maryland boys. So 4.7. I could see him getting to 10. Um, really showing the skill set that's better suited for the four than the three that. He was kind of stuck at for a while last year. I like that. Um, I went another direction with Michigan. I went with Buffkin. Bar was pretty low. Was McDonald's All-American. Might suck, right? Like he was really bad as a freshman. But at the end of the day, like they do have the hole in the backcourt, just as they kind of have the hole in the, the four. And uh, someone's got to fill it. And there's a decent chance that Toby Buffkin winds up getting 25 minutes a game and proving us, you know, proving why he was a McDonald's All-American. But Michigan is definitely a good example of a place where there should be a breakout unless Joey Baker and Yusuf Kayat are, like, unbelievable. Well, then then Joey Baker broke out, right? Because, I mean, he's been dormant as they come. 
Um. All right, next we can go to Maryland. Ooh. I have Julian Reese here. 5.7 okay. points a game. Season cut short to, due to injury, if uh, memory serves. Now, they, they're bringing back Dante Scott in the in the front court. Hakeem Hart on the wing. But but they didn't add, add a ton. They have a few international guys that are kind of rolling over. They added Patrick a million, I think, from St. Francis. Uh, but, but there's just not a ton of guys on paper that look like they can supplant a former top 50 recruit who played well as a freshman um, on, on a team that was, you know, coach quit midseason. Um, skilled lefty, probably more of a traditional four than a five, but I think with, with a more physical Scott, I, I think that's an in, interesting look. Um, I think he's clearly the best option there. I think Kevin Willard will use him well. Maybe you can sell him on being similar to Sandro as, you know, Big, tall lefties who can make some plays and have some skill. Yeah, I mean, Reese is a good answer. I, I w- I'll say I didn't have him on my list, but it's only because in my research I didn't realize that Julian Reese only averaged five points a game. I thought he averaged like nine. I think he's really good. Yeah. Now, I'm not comparing him to Sandro, but I'm sure they they can do some of the stuff in terms of play calling that they did with Sandro with with Reese's skill level. Right, just catch like catch the elbow, rip through, and go to the rim, come around yeah. the corner. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I didn't have a Maryland guy. Who was one guy I didn't mention yet that I should put on there? Ooh, I had Manny Obaseki. Interesting. No guarantees here. There's a lot of clutter on this AM roster. A lot of clutter. Oh, yeah. Um, I have them with 16 scholarship guys, which is definitely not real. But there's just, like, names here where you're like, what is Anderson Garcia doing here? Why is Jalen Johnson still in college? Is Hayden Hafner really still here? Wait, Jalen right? Johnson still there? I do. I did not. So the, I let also me, have let me, let me check their back. Let me check their roster. Because I don't think you had a public roster when I. Uh... Because I had them with 15, but I did not have Jalen Johnson. They have not published a roster, so. That, that'll that be an interesting one to come out. See, see the three guys that actually aren't on this team. Okay, so, so any- there there is a, there's a, the SEC official website does have him on the team. Jalen Johnson, so. But it also has a San Diara, so that might not be possible. <laughs> um, anyway, continuing on. Um, again, very crowded, as we said, but he did average, you know, four points a game. He had some flashes. It was inefficient at times. He doesn't shoot great, but, like, he looks like a million bucks. Like, when you see him move, uh, like, it, it's very impressive. He had a couple of double-digit scoring games in the NIT run including 14 against Washington State at Madison Square Garden. Um, he can play make a little bit. Like, the fact that he had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio as a freshman is probably a pretty good sign. The fact that he had, you know, steal and block rates that were pretty decent is probably a good sign. Like, he was a top 30 to 40 recruit. Like, this is the kind of guy you bet on that kind of figures it out and cream rises to the top. And maybe it doesn't. 
but they used him more down the stretch. I think that was for a reason. I think it was by design. Um, and, and I think you'll see a relatively productive uh, Manny Obaseki this year. I, I didn't do any Texas A&M just because the roster was so cluttered. I, I was kind of scared off because, you know, they have Dexter Dennis. They have Anderson Garcia. Hayden Hefner played a lot down the stretch. Andre Gordon has played a lot as a glue guy. Um, so there's just a lot of a lot of ways where that could go wrong. But, yeah, as a top 30 recruit in the past and someone who, who did play last year, I mean, that's that's a reasonable pull. One I had, um, no, it, we're kind of running out of the ones that I'm very confident in. We're, we're, we're approaching deep swings, but one that I was very confident in is Chucky Hepburn. Yes. Uh, 7.9 points a game. Surprising, right? Freshman starting point guard. Played really well, especially on the defensive end. Now this is a new look backcourt, right? No Davison, no Johnny Davis. He, he's he's clearly the guy. He's clearly going to be the shot creator. Um, Wall and Crowler, good, solid players. Wall especially is very good, but they're not like these high-level shot creators. The, the ball is going to be in Hepburn's hands. Yes. They, this one like, kind of feels obvious. Uh, yeah. I, I think we said this even like during the season, but we need to like preemptively cut off the like Chucky Hepburn is Johnny Davis thing that the Wisconsin fans are going to do because, you know, Wisconsin fans are going to look, well, Johnny Davis had a average seven points a game as a freshman, was like middlingly efficient, and then became the best player, one of the best players in the Big Ten and top 10 pick. Like Chucky Hepburn just like does not have the tools that Johnny Davis does. But Chucky Hepburn has a chance to be a very, very good college basketball player. And, you know, they're going to need him to score, like you said. I mean, when you break down this roster, it's just... It's not great. And It's the same thing we said at this time about last year's roster. Correct. Last year, we were, like, in panic mode about the future. I do think, like, Max Klesmet is going to help them a lot. He can really make shots. But, like... And Tyler Wall, probably leading in scoring... But this is a team that all of a sudden kind of needs to be like driven by its front court. And I, I worry about that given that their front court is Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell. So I mean I mean Wall's gonna be a high level yes. like yes. high level like if he's your best front court player, you're in good shape. But if he's your best player, are you in good shape? No. Right. And he probably is. But he'll he'll be you know, when uh we start getting the positional list, he should be a top 20 power forward in college basketball. He's, he's, he's a really good player. Really, really good. Crowell, Rebound. I'm not a fan of. But huh? Wall, I, I, I really like Wall. He's athletic. He doesn't shoot it well, but he, he, he can put it on the floor. He can make plays. Um, I think he and Hepburn are both in for really, really strong seasons. We'll see how far that can carry Wisconsin. Yes, sir. All right, um, for my last confident one. I had Jeremy Roach for Duke. Okay. Now, now there are a lot of a lot of mouths to feed, but he is very experienced for this Duke team. Like Grandison's a catch and shoot guy. Proctor's a reclassified freshman. Whitehead will do a ton of scoring, but, but I think Roach could 
easily add five points a game, get up to 14, 15 points a game with how he played down the stretch and the new opportunity he has as the primary ball handler and primary creator. I had him on mine as well, but I wasn't 100% confident about it. So, Any more that you were really confident in before we go One for One other some that I was fairly confident things? on. Uh, and then we can kind of run through some of the shakier ones. Um, Jalen Worley. Oh, I I I had him as a swing, but go on. It's not confident in like oh, I think I'm super confident Jalen Worley is going to be a really good player. It's just like I look at the roster and I'm like, well, he's got to play. <laughs> you know, he's got to play a lot, yeah. and I, I trust the Leonard development enough. I live with him. Yeah, so he was on my list of 20. Uh, I, I categorize it more as a deep swing because he was 3.7 points a game last year. And but, average, and shot 33% of the field, yeah. But you are correct. I mean, they have four experienced perimeter guys, all who are going to play a ton. You know, Worley, Caleb Mills who's back, Matthew Cleveland, who, who had a sneaky, strong statistical year last year. Uh, didn't really materialize as the one-and-done prospect, people thought. And then Darren Green from Central Florida, who could also really shoot it. So all all four of those guys are crucial, crucial pieces to a Florida State bounce-back season. I like it. Let's run through some swings here. I mentioned Damari Monsanto. That was one of my swings. Uh, another one, I have actually two from this team, so I'll just rattle them together, was the Bobby Pettiford-Zach Clements duo at Kansas. And I had you Clements on my list. Who do you have, Clements? I, I had Clements as one of my deep swings, yes. Yes. There's a bunch of guys at Kansas that you can, like, toss your name on. and just, Yeah. I think he'll – because, again, Minnesota, right? Lose Dave McCormick. Lose Agbaji. Lose Brown. Lose – Lightfoot. Yes. Lightfoot. Lots of lots of minutes. But Bob Pettiford was a guy that kind of you – know, when you listen to Bill Self talk, he says, you know, this guy's going to be the next really good Kansas guard. And we both liked Clemens's game out of high school. There's minutes path. I think he'll actually have a very real chance to beat out Ernest Uday for that starting job. Things could uh, things could get interesting there. So, yeah, the reason why I had Clemens on my list was, I mean, he's a top 30, 40 recruit. Feels like everyone I saw just penciled in Uday as a starter, who's also who was a top 30, 40 recruit. A year younger, and, and and when Clemens got opportunity, this past season he he really made made the most of it, especially on on the offensive end. He's super skilled. Um, now Bill Self might prefer a more traditional bruising center like McCormick or Azubuki, uh, but with, with this roster, I think it, it's a really interesting wrinkle to play a Wilson, a Jalen Wilson, Zach Clemens front court, and kind of utilize Clemens' skill. When Whenever I saw Clements in the game, he was not out of place at all. He, he, he was just kind of boxed out between sixth-year senior Mitch Lightfoot and senior Dave McCormick, or or junior, whatever year he was, but very experienced center in Dave McCormick. Um, do you have another one you wanted to add in your swings list? So I I had three more that I got to get to to get to finish my twenty. Uh, but the next one was Justin Powell, Washington State. Um, okay. I don't love the transfers. I, I stayed away from the transfers and the breakouts. But get, uh, I'll allow the 
the point. Go ahead. I mean, he was great before his concussion at Auburn with the ball in his hands. Yes. He goes to Tennessee. We we both thought, and I think even the Tennessee staff thought, that he was going to play a real big role, be, be, be a great piece for them. Just couldn't carve out a consistent spot on a very good, very physical uh, and, and fast Tennessee team. He didn't really fit with, with the other players. I mean, Viscovi was better and kind of similar. Um, he goes to Washington State where it looks like they're just going to put the ball in his hands and let him cook uh, for, for a team that needs a lot of offensive creation, lost almost their entire perimeter group from, from the past season. Um, so he averaged 3.7 at Tennessee. I think he, he could easily get into the 12-13 range. Yes. I like that. I uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a like the reasonable take. I do think there's just like a general like level drop that helps Powell. Um, I I don't I, I I do think you're like a little bit limited when he's your primary creator. Just like that Auburn team was a little limited uh, with him as the primary. But, very limited, yeah. But he's a good player. So, um, I, how about this one for you? I had a couple of Big East ones. I'll toss them out together, even though they're different different teams. I had the Butler duo, and I only think one of them will do this, but of Jaden Taylor and Seamus Lukosius. I think one of those guys is able to make the jump. I, I lean towards Seamus, actually. Um, but it's hard to tell because you don't know you don't know who Thad is going to lean towards. Uh, and then I have Providence big man Ed Croswell. Booming with opportunity. So I think Croswell is going to fall short on the points per game. Fair enough. But I, I mean, he he if 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 we were doing most underrated players in the country, he should be on there because people just don't either they didn't realize or they think it's just Providence bias or something. But Croswell was legitimately very good last year, and now he's the starting center, so you know, potentially twice as many minutes. Uh, as as for the Butler duo, can I can I read? Rob Doster got very mad at me when I said that Ed Croswell was quote sneaky better than Nate Watson at times last year, which was a fact, including the last three games they played in this little thing called the NCAA tournament. Ed Croswell had the highest offensive rating on Providence, the highest defensive rating on Providence. He had a 5.7 box plus minus. He had a compared to 3.4 for Watson. He was a top 20 offensive rebounder in the sport, way better defensive rebounder than Watson. He blocked shots at a higher rate than Watson. Obviously, Providence needed Nate Watson to be able to throw it to on the block. You're not doing that with Crosswell the same way. But, like, Ed Crosswell was awesome last year. Yeah, and it's probably because the game's not pretty. Like, he just kind of, like, positions his way for an offensive rebound is you know take takes a second is guarded by three people then kind of puts it up on the rim and it goes in which we'll see how sustainable that is but um i think the one other thing working against a breakout is the presence of clifton moore who should also play a lot of five that's a good point that's a good point um who showed a lot of skill in in year five at LaSalle. Uh, now, now he's a 60-year guy. I mean, he's got to be like 24 years old. So he he's definitely going to play a lot. He he did not come to Providence to sit. Uh, but Croswell certainly has a 
pretty big opportunity. As as for the Butler duo, I think I lean Taylor. Um, just he's more athletic. Lakosha's was was sneaky ball dominant for for Butler. Like whenever he yes. was in there, I feel like he was really getting shots up, which could work in his favor if he gets the green light from Thad, because he'll have a lot of scoring opportunities. But if Thad doesn't want that from his sixth best player, um, then he could be relegated to even smaller role than he had with Laval. Yes. It could very much go either way with Seamus. But it's hard to shake that, uh, what was it, 27 in the Big East tournament away from my brain? Yeah, 27 against Xavier in the knockout blow. But then he turned around in the Big East tournament and won for 11 the next day against Providence, so. The good, the bad, and the other. All right, I have two swings left. One of them is Providence power forward Bryce Hopkins. 2.1 yeah. points a game. I don't think that's, that's a swing. I, I, I think Providence is real trouble if Bryce Hopkins doesn't average seven points a game. No, he's got to average 10 points a game. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, because when, when I try to map out the points per game and get to 75, which is usually where I like to get to when I'm doing – that exercise of point predictions. I have Hopkins at like nine or 10. So he's like right on the cusp. Um, he's a figure Bynum, Locke, Carter, all probably double figures. Croswell and Moore, high single digits. Hopkins right there in the middle. I, I, I mean, again, top 40 recruit. He's got a lot of minutes. He's the only combo forward on the roster. He, he's going to play a ton. He's going to, Come down to production and how 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 he shoots the ball, how how he can fit as this starting power forward among three guards who like to have the ball in their hands. Yes, no, I think it's a good fit. Um, I'm a I'm a Hopkins believer, I really am. So. And then lastly, for me, this this is the biggest swing of them all. Uh, Benny Williams for Syracuse. 1.9 points a game last year. I, I'm so glad you had this because I did too. He, he, it felt like he was nervous, though, whenever I watched. It, it, it felt like he was uncomfortable. This year, he will not be looking over his shoulder. There's no one to – I mean, there's no one to put in. The whole bench is freshman and uh, Samir Torrance. Um, but, <laughs> I, I mean, he, he, he has a starting power forward spot to himself. Super athletic, didn't, didn't shoot it well, but – He's 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 gonna play a ton. He he has pedigree as a playmaker. Uh, he'll be surrounded by shooters and a really good big man and Jesse Edwards. Uh, I think he should be more comfortable in year two. Yeah, I I I, I kind of got in the head of like Bayheim and Benny on this one. Um, and I kind of just decided like at the end of the day. You, you almost feel like the kid who didn't play and stuck it out is going to like earn Beheim's trust and respect super big and then gets opportunity. You know what I mean? Like the role yeah. is here for him. And I, I just feel like, especially with all these guys being freshmen, like either he hates Benny Williams' guts and he doesn't play at all, or he becomes like a very serious part of the team. Like, I don't think there's an in-between. Like, I don't think there's an in-between where I average like 17 minutes a game. Like they are either going to like, okay, this is just not going to work. And he's gone. Or 
he's going to play a shit ton. I, I just think that's I, and, and I think that Beheim, you know, he's been so critical of, of, of the transfers. He's been so critical of Kadari Richmond and guys like this. I, I think that the fact that Benny Williams took it on the chin as a former, you know, top 50 recruit and showed up the next year and said, I'm ready to compete. I'm ready to fight for my spot. That to me, I think indicates that Bam's going to like love, show him some love and, and let him, let him rock out. All right. So the guys that both of us had, right. So we both had Benny Williams. We both had Zach Clements, Jordan Hawkins, Pell Larson, did you have Terrence Williams? No, right? I did not have Terrence We both had Jalen Warley. That's five. Chucky yeah. Hepburn, six. Omax, seven. Did you have Darius Maddox? Uh, I had him and Padula as like a split. Okay, so Maddox, eight. Chris Murray, nine. So half of our list was the same. What? Half of Nine out of the thing. 20 guys, we had the Pretty same. Much. Yeah. Yep. And I think we also had more. I think this is a good kind of learning. Um, in a lot of cases, we had shared teams, right? Like someone's got to play at Michigan. Someone's got to figure it out at Wisconsin. Someone has to take the next step for Florida State. Like they've built their, you know, Virginia Tech needs a guard, right? Like Michigan State needs you know, some needs a wing, right? Like all these teams, you, you might come to a different conclusion, but th- there needs to be more scoring at Michigan State. Okay, I'll take Jay Nakins. You can take Tyson Walker, right? I'll take, you know, Virginia Tech needs a guy who can make a shot. Okay, I'll take Padula. You can take Darius Maddox. You know, you, Butler needs a guy who can make shots. Okay, you, you Jaden Taylor, I'll take Seamus, right? Like, you know, I, I think that's one of the kind of through lines of this is like who are the teams that need someone to step up and who – you know, filled every hole with the portal, right? Who, and, and I, I almost felt like you could kind of go through by conference. I, I thought the Big Ten and the Big East, there are a lot of teams that are like, all right, like we've got RJ Melendez, you've got Jaden Akins, we've got, um, you know, Tamar, I don't know about that one. Like we've got, uh, fuck, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, we've got Olivier Maxence Prosper. Like we don't need to recruit over these guys. Whereas I think you saw at, you know, the SEC, for instance, right? Like, Instead of letting Dylan Cardwell start, Auburn said we'll get Janai Broom. Uh, you know, instead of letting, I'm just trying to see because there's so much coaching change in the SEC, which is also a contributor to this, right? Um, you know. How about uh, Alabama, right? They yes, they had a bunch of transfers. Yes, instead of letting Darius Miles shine, we're gonna take Dom Welch. So I think I, I I do think there are you know kind of different schools of thought there in terms of how you approach it, but a lot of potential, no question. All I had, all I had as well. So we will see you all next week. Next week it will be August. It will also next week be less than 100 days until all the magic starts. Three and a half months until until basketball. I don't know if we discussed this last podcast, but I mean, it literally, it really does go, you know, it's like, okay, it's July 1st. Okay. You got live period, live period, international trips, school starts, uh, college football starts, practice starts, uh, secret scrimmage season. And then the season, like it goes like this very fast.
Secret sim, secret scrimmage season is a sneaky one. Oh yeah. I feel like it just it just comes out of nowhere. They got well yeah well this weekend we have a hundred play games. one like October eighteenth yeah. Yeah. Like what are we doing? I think Providence last year they did their open scrimmage first against Stonehill. That was like October seventeenth or whatever, and then the next week they did the secret scrimmage against Purdue. We're, that was not that secret. Right, because Providence won, so I'm sure that they quickly distributed that box score. Um, yeah. But I, I think that's that's the move, right? Is do your Division two scrimmage first, and then do the secret scrimmage, as opposed to if they played Purdue and then next week played Stonehill. In fairness, Stonehill is probably closer to the first opponent you were going to play than Purdue. That's true. <laughs> All righty, folks. We'll see you all next week.